Well, welcome to Willow Park Church. We're on to the third commandment, the power of his name. And this is a a challenge, isn't it? Because it's wonderful because we can often forget the third commandment and how important it is. And we can often forget the power of his name. Exodus 20 and verse 7 reads as follows. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Misuse of the name of the Lord. Names are important, aren't they? We like our names. We enjoy our names. We like the names that we have. They're important in our lives. I have a very special name. My name is Phil Collins. Now, that's not a problem to me, unless, of course, um, I discovered early on that there was a drummer in a weird band called Genesis called Phil Collins. And, and strange, people used to walk up to me, greasy, hairy rockers who knew about these rock bands like Iron Maiden and Genesis and Led Zeppelin and Barbara Streisand and... <laughs> And they'd walk up to me and they'd say, you know, hey man, you've got the same name as a drummer in the band called Genesis. I go, oh great, thank you. Random person talking about drummers. That's all right. But then he went on, did he not, to become a solo singer, correct? And then had most wonderful hits, one of them being Against All Odds, I seem to remember. Remember that? And not only now was he a drummer, but he was a solo artist, went worldwide. And wherever I went, every middle-aged woman between the age of, be quiet, Phil, um, came up to me and said, hey, you've got the same name as that Phil Collins guy. I said, yes, it's true, but I've got hair and he hasn't. (laughs) Then he went from his solo career to what? Do you know what? Disney. And he wrote and sang in the Disney film, for example, Tarzan. So now every weird headbanger person, every middle-aged, love-struck woman and man, don't want to be sexist, and now every child from the age of five knows the name of Phil Collins. And I get children coming to me, do you know you've got the same name as the guy that sings in Disney? Yes, I do. Shut up. And, <laughs> but it doesn't bother me, Really? Not really, but my name is something to do with my reputation. My name is something that is special. My name is there. The most popular name, say, over 114 years ago, at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, were names like William, Florence, and Edith. You don't get a lot of Ediths running around the elementary school playground at the moment, do you? Really? Now, you do a few more Williams these days because there's a certain prince with ginger hair that everybody loves. But it's, it's, you know, you get that Florence, Edith, you, you, the names have changed. When we went to choose the twins' names, 
We really agonized about it and thought about it and said, yes, we've got the names 15 years ago. This was 16 years ago. Oh, yes, we're going to call the two twin girls, one Jessica and one Emily. We felt incredibly proud of ourselves that we had chosen these most magnificent, wonderful names until I discovered that the most common name of that year and the most girls that were named number one was Jessica. And the second one was Emily. (laughs) What does that tell you? I have no idea. But it was important to get the right names. Names are important. We hear of many court cases with celebrities and politicians and businessmen want to clear their name because their name has been slandered. True? Names will often call up whole images. If I mention a name, it will create an image in our mind. I only have to mention one part of this name and it creates an image, a clear, vivid image, negatively. Adolf. But then if I mention another name, Teresa, and add Mother on the front, another image comes to mind. Names are important. Names are part of who we are. It's part of our identity. Sports teams want to distance themselves from drunken fans who riot in the street because it brings down the club's bad name, correct? We won't mention any names of clubs in case any of you support us. Anyway, um, the Canucks. And it's the same in, in Great Britain. There is all of these names. It brings disrepute. Names mean something. They, they affect us. We think about them. We understand these names that are here. For example, Mich- you know, they mean something. Michelle, my wife's name, um, you know, means uh, who is like the Lord. That's good, isn't it? Michelle's name means who is like the Lord. Isabel's name is, is a name that is, is spoken of about having, a, having the presence and the consciousness of the glory of the Lord all around. Jessica is one of who is begotten of the Lord. These are great names, aren't they? Emily means one that works hard and is studious. And Josiah means the fire of the Lord. Those are the names in our family. And Philip, the best for last, means lover of horses. (laughs) Thank you for that, Mum. And dad, if you're watching right now. So we have all these names. But let's get to the heart of the matter. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. We know how important a good name is, don't we? We know how important this. And the heart of the matter is this. Names are more than just words, consonants and vowels. Names have authority. They have power. They have strength. They are with us. Just look at the power of brand names. You know, you put on a certain brand, Hugo Boss. There you feel, you know, like 
the boss. You, you wear Nike clothes and the adverts tell you that if you're wearing Nike, you're going to run that marathon and you're going to halve your best time because you're going to glide on air. The power of a name and brand. You drive a Jaguar, possibly the best car on the place of the planet, and you are going to be English. And you have all of these things. Name, brands, But there is a privilege here, and this is the privilege is this. The privilege is of knowing the name of God. That's our greatest privilege. Forget the rest, knowing the name of God. The name of God, Yahweh, is closely associated with his role as redeemer, defender. The people of Israel, Yahweh passed before Moses. And the Lord was merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. We have a privilege, you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to actually know the name of God. What does the name of God speak of? It speaks of he saves them for his name's sake. In other words, we are saved. We are believers. Why? Because he has saved us for his name's sake. He makes his mighty power known, yet he saves them for his name's sake. To make his mighty power known. Do you know why you are saved and why we are here? Because God's mighty power can be demonstrated in our lives. His name dwells within you. His name is present in your life. His name is strength. Save me, O God. His name is declared in his wondrous work. We praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. We know him. We know his name because in his wonderful deeds that God does is that we understand that his name is in the center of those wonderful deeds. Think of it as, a, as that moment. As Moses lifted that staff and the Red Sea parted gloriously and the wind came and the power was present and the noise and the roar of the parting of the Red Sea, there is one noise and that was the name of God coming out of all of that. When they struck the rock in the desert and the brook started to bubble, if you listen closely in his wonders, you would have heard the name of the Lord at work in his wonders. As you saw manna fall from heaven, and as you watched it softly come down and land on the ground, you would hear the whisper. And what would the whisper be? The whisper would be the name of God. And when you see God working in your life and answering your prayers, there's a whisper of the name and the presence of God at work. Have you lost that sense that God's name is at work in your life? Have you lost that? Have you lost the wonder of the bubbling water that struck the rock and God's name is there? Well... Wittgenstein, the great 20th century philosopher, used to come into his uh, lectures at the university holding a steaming cup of coffee. I don't know what kind of coffee, 
He may have walked in. I mean, this was quite a while ago. Stood there with a steaming cup of coffee from Starbucks and put it down. If he was sensible, it would have been Tim Hortons. So let's imagine it was Tim's. And he walked in and he took his steaming hot dark roast Tim Hortons made from the nectar of God and put it down. And he said to them, his students, now smell the coffee. Allow the coffee to fill the room. He was a philosophy teacher, so that's what they do. And he said, now smell it. Now what I want you to do, philosophy students, I want you now to tell me what the smell of coffee is like. And if they would try and explain it, they'd try and explain it, and they'd try and say, well, and they'd always end up saying, well, it's kind of coffee-ish. Oh, it's kind of, kind of coffee. Try it when you go home. And then he would say, we can barely describe the smell of coffee. How are we to expect to describe God himself? Well, we think I may be a great philosopher, but I want to remind you something that we are not dealing with a cup of coffee here, yet I want to remind you this, yet God has revealed himself in the pages of the Bible, both himself and his name. It may be difficult to describe what God is like, but God has revealed himself. What we say about God does not come from a vague, fuzzy human speculation as we examine the floating particles from a coffee cup. No, it is that in the scripture and in the Bible we understand that God has described himself. It's not in a vague, fuzzy way. He is a loving, caring God who cares for us and who has chose to make himself known to us by name. The most precious thing is, is that you know the name of God. But you don't just know the name of God. You know the name of God. Moses, as he was there in chapter 3 of Exodus, he, he declares, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. Uh, what is your name? What shall I tell them? What shall I do? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. 6,800 times in the Old Testament, I am your creator. I am your saviour. I am your sustainer. I am your leader. I am your protector. I am your healer. I am your judge. I am your comforter. Have you forgotten the name of God that is at work within your life or the glorious names of God that exist within who we are? Yahweh was the name they came. We don't even know how to pronounce that, you know. It was so not spoken that we've lost any sense. We now call it Yahweh, but really we have no idea. 
scribes would copy the scriptures and write out the Torah. And they would write, and as they would write, they would follow the lines from one generation to another, writing. And as they would write it, they would come to the name Yahweh. Literally, as it's put in the English Bible, the Lord God. And they would come to that point, and they would stop at that moment. They would take their little quill, and they would snap it. They would throw it into a bin or the garbage. And then they would go and they would wash their whole body. They would put on fresh clothes, walk back, pick up a new quill, write the name Yahweh, and then break the quill again, and then throw it away, and then pick another quill and carry on writing. That's how precious The name of God was to people. So special, so unique, so there. So what I'm trying to say in all of this, it is a privilege for you and I to know the name of God personally. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to know the name of God. But you know, let me remind you, Jesus is the name of God. He is the name of God. But don't worry as we express ourselves now. Because from that you could say, oh no, but how am I going to express myself in the name of God? How is this going to work? Can I remind you that under the new covenant, Jesus himself gave us the permission and encouraged us to call God something very special and amazing. That you don't have to keep breaking quills or running to the bathroom to have a shower to commune with the living God. Because the name that Jesus declared we could use is the name Father. Father. Abba Father. A name used for a child to speak to a loving father, displaying intimacy and confidence. Oh, you can use the name of God. But remember, the name of God, yes, reverence, but the name of God like a a glorious father. And we are his children. And he loves to hear us speak his name before him in our prayers and our praise and our utterance. So what do we do? Treat God's name with reverence. Yes, completely. You see, my wife's name, as I've explained, is Michelle. One like the Lord. But if you started to use her name in a negative, angry way, that could upset me. I mean, if I was stood around you on the work site and you were working and we were soaring together and you hit your thumb on the word and you shouted, oh, for the love of Michelle, I would not be impressed, correct? <laughs> if you started to use the word and you threw back your head and said, oh, no, Michelle, I may have to lay hands on you suddenly from on high. Because it's an abuse of somebody's name. It's, it's irreverent and we have to be careful. But what does this mean to be irreverent with somebody's name? We would become, if you use it flippantly, you become annoyed and angry. It would hurt us very much. What is this commandment really about? 
This commandment is really about not demoting God, the creator of heaven and earth, to a formula or a magic wand. The name of God is not a Harry Potter wand that we throw around and instantly things change. It's about relationship. It's about closeness. It's about knowing his presence in our lives. And this is what the command was about. About other pagan gods were manipulated through the use of their name. They, Yahweh did not want to be used in a magical way or in this way. The second commandment concerned the issue of exercising power over God through idols. The third turns its attention to exercising God's power over others by misusing the name of God and using it against other people and hurting people. And that is what God hates. He hates his name, his character, his presence to be boiled down to a simple little magical moment when you use his name to get power for yourself. That's not what God wants. He wants to be different from every other ancient God. Wants to be different because it's about relationship, not about hexing. The giving of one's name was an act of favor, trust in human terms. It's about vulnerability. God of heaven has been vulnerable with humanity and has been vulnerable with us and has called us his children and has given his name. And the biggest danger is this, that we turn our Christian faith and we turn the use of God's name in worship into a cliche. Come on. If you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 5.2, though they say as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. In Jeremiah's time, they were using the name of God as a cliche. Though the Lord says... As the Lord lives, I will do this. As the Lord lives, this is a good deal. Surely as the Lord lives, you know, cliche, cliche. No heart, no substance, no depth. Never allow our Christianity to become a bunch of cliches. Instead, we need to live in the presence and the name of God and salvation. Don't be a cliche Christian. Allow him. I'll give you a cliche. Cliche that happens all over Kelowna. How you doing? Oh, it's been tough. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. How many times is that said throughout Kelowna? I'll tell you what, if every time we said it and we actually went away and sat down for 10 minutes and prayed for that person, there would be revival in Kelowna. But how many of you have used it as a cliche? How many times have I, when I've said, I'll pray for you, but I don't actually go away and pray and listen and spend time with God? That's empty. That's vacuous. That's vain. You're not being truthful. God hates that. He wants us to be authentic. He wants us to be honest. He doesn't want us to name drop to show importance and how spiritual we are. He wants us to live in the presence of his name. Respecting God's name because of his character. 
His character is one of love, caring, gracious. We are his people. We bear his name and should reflect his character as his name. You bear his name within your life. What does it mean to bear his name? It means that God places his name upon his people like he speaks in Numbers 6, 27. They will put my name on Israel and be blessed. We are Christians. And therefore, we bear Christ's name in the religion that we have. And yet, as we bear Christ's name, we hold that and we must be willing to respect God's character. And the truth is that when Christians bear God's name and we act inappropriately to the character of God, this hurts God. It hurts God. Um, how many of us have heard about actions of a, a minority of priests globally that have done the most sad and horrific things, and yet those acts have hurt the whole of the body of Christ? There was a day when the most respected profession was a doctor and a priest, a pastor, a minister. And in some circles now, when you take things, that has changed. You see, I hear of problems and difficulties. I remember being invited back in England, Europe. I was told, oh, there's this great, great way that you can buy into this and you can get involved. And, and, and if you give a certain amount of money, you are guaranteed to get 25% on the return. And the money can go back into mission. It works like this, the person said to me. You, it's, there's somebody that buys all of these toilet rolls, billions of toilet rolls, and then, and then sells them to a big chain of shops. And then you've put up the money for the toilet rolls. The profit is then split, and the profit is used for the kingdom of God. And they said, will you buy in? We only need 5,000 pounds. And he was talking to the wrong person. <laughs> Because I was a poor English pastor. I was lucky we've had five pounds. I went, oh, mm, sounds great. Oh, yeah, people are getting it back. Till three years later, that same scam of billions of dollars came down and it was all a complete sham. Who does that really hurt? Well, it hurts those people. But the God of heaven, it hurts. The name of God, the way we act, we've got to be honest. There are just some people that are acting in the wrong way that bring shame on the name of the living God. We've got to be careful. Because it's about relationship, it's not about toilet rolls. The danger of our faith becoming vain. What does... It means, don't use the Lord's name in vain. It translates broadly means, don't use it with emptiness, vanity, nothingness, uselessness, worthlessness. What a horrible commentary on where spirituality can end up, where we become empty and vain and worthless and useless. Don't allow your faith 
to become that. A bunch of cliches. Respect God's name because of his power. Oh, yes. There is power in the name of the Lord. There's power. You're in the middle of a problem. You're in the middle of difficulty. Lean on the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of the Lord. On those very rare occasions when our family descends into arguments between 11-year-olds and 15-year-olds and it feels like World War V has broken out. Do you ever have those days? No. Very rare in our home. Every 20 years. No, and they're kicking off and the kids are arguing. And one of them will run upstairs and come to the person with the most authority who can sort it out. Come to the person whose name is the most powerful in the home. And they run up to Michelle. And they say, oh, we've got this problem. And she'll say, well, go and tell them this. And they run straight back down and you can hear these words. Mom says this. Does that happen in your home? Mom says this. And at that moment, fear drops on the room. Even the dog starts to crawl under the sofa. Mom has spoken because there is power in the name of mom in our home. Life-giving power of this commandment comes to the, the purpose that God's name, when expressed in relationship with him, is powerful. It is glorious. We praise him and we use him. Is, we are to bless his name, praise him, exalt him, magnify, glorify, rejoice, exalt, be thanked, Hallowed, feared, loved, remembered, proclaimed, declared, waited on, walked in, desired, and sought the name of God. Did you get that? So that we understand. But the truth is this. We know God's name. He knows our name. He knows our name. He would, the gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know the name of God, but remember, God's got your name. That's good, by the way. He's got your name. Luke 10, 20. Rejoice that not the demons submit to you, the spirits, but rejoice that your names are written where? Heaven. And that we know that he's present. It says Hebrews 12, 23. The church of the firstborn whose name are written in heaven. We are that church. Revelation talks about how there will be those that worship the beast. But those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life if you've trusted Jesus. Our names are inscribed in heaven because of his powerful name of him dying upon the cross. We are his children and our names are written in glory. So it's important. 
that we respect God's name because of his action, because of the cross. So how do we finish here? Well, maybe you've been in danger that your faith has become a cliche. Vain. The Lord's name in your life. And this isn't about a sermon against cussing and swearing and this. You've noticed that because the actual context of it is don't use God's name to get power over other people and manipulate them. We've all seen people do that. Only person you want to have power over your life is the spirit of the living God. But maybe you know you've gone that far and maybe it's time again to live in the confidence of the name of God. That problem in your home, speak the name of the Lord. Live in the name of the Lord. That moment you're looking for breakthrough in your business, start to live out of the name of the Lord once again. That difficulty, those moments, allow the name of the Lord. Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus. Well, today is the day when you can trust the name of the Lord and you can leave this building knowing one thing, that your name is now written in heaven. That you know the name of God, the Savior, the healer, the deliverer, the protector, the one that is with you. And you know that he knows your name in the the books of heaven. He knows your name. He knows your name. And he's given you the gift of his name. The gift of his presence. Let's stand together and pray. Lord Jesus, we pray now that a fresh sense and revelation of the name of God will come into our lives, Lord. Lord, where we've lost this and we've battled and we've struggled, Lord, I pray that a fresh revelation will come, that we will live in your name. And even as we sing it together now, may we start to apply it to the foes and the enemies and the terrors and the difficulties in our world now, we ask in Jesus' name. Come, Lord, in these closing moments. Amen.